Can anybody hear me? Tell me, am I on the right track? Cause the dark has parted and now that we started, there ain't no turning back. Is this how I'm supposed to feel? Spinning out my thread. And my ears are ringing, and my friends are singing the song that I hear. The DMT podcast. Yeah. I don't see myself talking on there. Yeah, it's on. It's, it's going. We got it. It's good. Oh. <laughs> like I don't see my loud ass voice making big wavy lines on here. Uh, so again, I, I feel like I should do this at the beginning because we just kind of end it and make it'll make the, the endings are kind of awkward enough because I don't <laughs> I still know how to end this shit. So like. <laughs> But uh, we are on. We finally got on iTunes. We're on iTunes, Castbox, Podbean, Podomatic. Uh, um, yeah, we had a little scare with that. Maybe. You could- yeah, with the explicit. <laughs> All right, so let me give give the the. Oh no! I don't know if you can hear our dog whining, but. Um, <laughs> so let She's me give out the, the the information before I get into that story. But like I said, iTunes, uh, Castbox, Podbean. Uh, we're on Twitter at DNT Podcat. I think I said podcast last episode. It's <laughs> Podcat. Duh. Like, P- what are you thinking? P O D C A T. Um, I forgot the S. But um, and on Facebook, we're uh, DNT Projects. And I think that's that's all. Well, the email, uh, dnt uh, pod at gmail dot com. So yeah, we got on the we got on the iTunes uh, this past week, and uh, so I was using Castbox, which they actually helped a lot with this problem. But I didn't like see anything about like putting an explicit warning or anything on Castbox, and so when I was putting it on iTunes, uh, I didn't say anything again about putting, you know, is this explicit or not, and <laughs> I thought, like, somehow iTunes did that shit, like, automatically, because I'm a dumb baby, and, uh, dumb baby. So, I was, so I got the confirmation that we were actually on iTunes, and I was like, Oh yay! And then I go and I look at the the page and it's like clean lyrics. I was like, whoa! And so I start freaking out, and I'm like looking at a whole bunch of shit trying to see how you put the explicit tag on there, and it was all really super complicated again with my stupid baby brain. I didn't understand <laughs> what the fuck was like how to do it, and apparently I don't really remember doing it. But in my panic-fueled just hysteria, I pretty much went on Twitter and was like, "Please, God, help! I don't know what's what's happening." Please, <laughs> dear Twitter God, help me. <laughs> but uh, like I said, Castbox was on that shit, and they helped me, and then we fixed it, and everything's good now. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I had a had a breakdown the other day i was at work and i got like this long text (laughs) i was like i I don't understand because that stuff's just kind of beyond me so i didn't really understand what the problem was but all i knew was like that he was upset so i was like it's fine i was like (laughs) we're on itunes but we're gonna fucking get taken down because I was we like, taken have... down, like, I, the way he said it, it sounded like <laughs> we were going to be banned from everything well, well, see, we put podcasts on. Well, it's just iTunes. I was, like, afraid that they were going to be like, nope. I thought he was, like, saying that we wouldn't be able to do the podcast anymore, <laughs> the way he was, like, freaking out about it. Yeah, well, I'm sorry. I have super anxiety, but, uh. But it's all good. It worked out. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh. 
since I forgot just a minute ago, the uh, song you hear at the beginning and end of the podcast is Temple Bush the Broken Button by Jonathan Mann from his podcast uh, Song and Ots. Go check that out. And I fucking got that title in one shot. Yeah. (laughs) Didn't he like like our tweet or something yeah, the other day? He, yeah, that was, and you were like fangirling over it. That was another tweet. <laughs> See, because I haven't been on Twitter like since Twitter was made. Yeah. And like I was like, well, since we're doing the podcast and we've decided to do it every Thursday, like, yeah. I need to just get on their shit and be on Twitter all the time. I, I figured you would like Twitter more. I really, I've always thought that you would like Twitter But yeah, this more. past week I've just been just enjoying Twitter. Yeah. But, uh, Okay, so I was talking to one of my coworkers and thought about, you know, they were telling me, oh, well, first of all, I work at a rehab. It's a dual diagnosis, chemical dependency rehab. So the dual diagnosis means that um, we work with people who are, you know, who have other mental health issues such as like bipolar, schizophrenia. Uh, things such as that. Now, when they come to my unit, um, they are supposed to be, I don't know the proper word, but kind of... mm, They're not supposed to be, like... They're not supposed to be violent at all in any kind of, like, have any kind of violent tendency, any kind of suicidal tendency. Uh, That's because they don't keep a lot of people. Like, whenever I work my floor, I'm, like, the only one there all night long by myself. So I'm not supposed to have a patient come in who could potentially get violent. It was like severe, whatever. Yeah, severe, you know. Um, so th- we will have people who have that diagnosis, but they're supposed to be um, stable on their medication. That's the way to say it, yeah. Stable and on their medication. So that's typically the case, but um, sometimes it's not. So I had a couple of stories that I was thinking about, and I was talking back and forth with my coworker. He actually has experience working on a psych unit for adolescent boys and those patients could there's no um you know requirement for them to not be um violent because they have plenty of staff there to handle anybody that you know gets out of hand or whatever and um they have this whole thing it's called handle with care and it's basically like that's how you um hold a patient to where there's no way that you could possibly hurt them and there, it keeps them from hurting themselves or hurting anyone around them. So that's like the main thing they do there. Um, like his, a big part of his job was to just make sure that none of the patients were able to hurt themselves or anyone else. Because they would, being adolescent boys, it was much more typical for them to have like violent outbursts. Because a lot of times they want to fight. They get in cliques, you know. Uh, this clique wants to fight this clique. And well, I mean, it's pretty much just teenagers that yeah. are, like, and to the nth degree. Like, right. I mean, they're already teenage boys. Plus, yeah. they have mental health issues. Plus, they have a lot of, lot, a lot, a lot of crap going on at home. You know? So, like, it's just... And they put them all in there together, you know? And so, that's, like, the, it's, like, the... Like, they stay there. They're not, yes. like, outpatient. Like, either, that, so. it's an inpatient facility because he works, where he used to work was an inpatient facility for the adolescent <laughs> boys. So, he had a lot of interesting stuff that he shared with me, and I thought that um, it would be cool to, like, combine them together. Then, also, I had found an article online that is creepy stories from psych ward workers. So, they might even have, like, even better stories, but I thought I would start off with sharing the ones that I had, because I thought they would be pretty neat for a podcast. Um, I kind of want to do a disclaimer as well, because, I mean, a lot of horror movies and stuff, like, use, like, mental illness as, like, a thing. Mm -hmm. But, like, you know, not everybody that has a mental illness is, like, a killer or, like... Right. (laughs) You know? Exactly. I just want to, like, get that... Yeah, it's not like if somebody has something wrong with them, they're going to, like, attack you or, like, right. give well, you problems or anything. Here's the way that. I see it now that, I, that I've been working there for a while. Um, in my mind, like, through Hollywood and everything, you think that mental, people with mental illnesses that are extreme, such as bipolar 1, bipolar 2, schizophrenia, you think that they are out to get people. No. Yeah, I mean, it's usually, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. they usually, like, villains in like a movie they think that you're out to get them (laughs) that's like yeah 
they think that um that that others are out to get them they're they're more terrified than you could ever even imagine yeah i mean i just don't want to be like we're making fun of like no yeah definitely patients or anything like that but it is i think some people are interested even if the people that don't want to work in the field are interested in the stories just because i don't know a lot of people are interested in psychology yeah and stuff like that um but yeah i mean of course there are people who have done terrible things who had a mental illness but nine times out of ten you know you walk on my unit you would i don't know how to explain it like i see them as vulnerable adults they're more i treat them with more care and understanding than i do a normal person just because i know that it's like they're sensitive i mean they're really sensitive I mean, because it being like a dual diagnosis, they're in there because of whatever drugs or alcohol or whatever, but Mm -hmm. they're really there to get help with their mental... Mental health. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, the detox gets them off the drugs and alcohol. I mean, they're detoxed. Um, They might still experience cravings and such, and even maybe some, like, leftover withdrawal symptoms, but... They're past that point, and they're open to learning about how to deal with their mental health on a daily basis and how to, because a lot of them use drugs and alcohol to cope. This is like turning into like a mental health, like education <laughs> video. But like a lot of them are using the, you know, the the drugs and alcohol to cope with their problems. And what we have to do is give them coping skills so that they don't have to turn to the drugs and alcohol whenever something bad happens. Um, but anyway... Okay, this is my biggest one. Uh, this is probably probably the only one that I'll really share because it's the only one where I felt like it was kind of a dangerous situation for me because I was the only one there. But not, it, I say dangerous, but like really it was okay. Like everything was alright. It worked out fine. But, um, let's see. I had not been working there very long. So it's still kind of green. I was still kind of new on how everything worked. I knew that if somebody came to us and said that they were seeing things or hearing things or whatever, that they needed to be reassessed. Now this happened to me, of course, at the worst time possible in the middle of the night. Um, it was about like one o'clock in the morning. I was sitting in our little office where the computer and stuff is at, like off to the side, and I heard somebody in their room talking. And at first, I thought, you know, maybe they're like praying. Maybe they're, like, saying prayers before they go to sleep or something. Like, you know, whatever. Yeah. Didn't really think nothing of it. Didn't know a lot about this patient from the beginning, which that's one thing that should have not... Like, I should have been more aware of, like, what was going on with the patient by getting a report. But that's gotten better where I work. But um, I really didn't know much about her at all. So I go into her room, and this woman is crouched in the corner. And, and she's, like, covering her head. Like, her hands are crossed, her arms are crossed over her head, and, she, and she's crying. And I'm like, oh, goodness, like, what's what the heck is going on? And I come up to her, and I said her name, and I was like, what's wrong? What's going on? Why are you crying? And she was like, tell him, tell him to leave, tell him to leave. And I was like, tell who to leave? What, what do you mean? And she was like, my husband, my ex-husband, he's telling me that I killed somebody, and I swear I didn't, I didn't kill anybody. And I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, uh, <laughs> I'm new. I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. So I was just like, I got her to sit on the bed and I was like, you know, just kind of consoling her. I like hugged her and told her like, everything's going to be all right. Let me get on the phone. I'm going to call somebody and, you know, see what we can do to help you, you know. And so I was like, I'm going to leave this door open and I'm going to walk to the desk. And I called my director and I told her everything that she had said. And she was like, oh, goodness, she's going to have to move to another floor. And I was like, okay, so like, what do I need to do? Wound up, I had to call admissions, and I had to get somebody to come. First, I needed, I really needed somebody to come and pick her up, like, with security, because she was just, she was in crisis. So, mm. I mean, it was a dangerous situation, because I didn't know what she was going to do. I mean, because she was very distraught. Yeah. So, really, like, they should have came and helped me, but they didn't. So, I had to, <laughs> I had to take this woman myself down the hallway all the way over to admissions alone mm-hmm. to to get her reassessed to another floor and of course she didn't want to move she didn't she didn't want 
to do this. And so I, I had to do everything I could to get her to go because, like, it was just me by myself. So I told her, I was like, I kind of made it like it's not an option. Like, we've got to go. And I, I remember <laughs> that she had... Because on my unit, like I said, they're not supposed to be violent. They're not supposed to be suicidal. We allow things, and we're really lax on, like, what they can have. And she had, like, pens and pencils and, like, a whole bunch of them, like, in a bag. And she was, like, putting them down in her purse, like, getting all her stuff together to be moved. And I remember thinking, like, oh, my God, like, she's got all those pens. Like, what if she just goes berserk and, like, thinks that I'm trying to attack her or something? You know, I just, everything is running through my head. But... I got her stuff, put her stuff up. She was really mad at me. She was, like, upset. But also, she was a small woman. She was a small, probably, like, 50s, 60s, maybe. You know, so an older woman. And a small frame and everything. So, like, for that reason, I felt like I wasn't ever going to be, like, she couldn't really hurt me, but she really could have, you know? Yeah. Like I said, it, in their mind, like, just say that she, all of a sudden she thought I was someone that was trying to hurt her. She could have done something to me, and she and it wouldn't have been like her fault at all, and it would have been their fault for not helping me. <laughs> but uh, I got her over there, and then the people from admissions had called me and was like telling me that you know what all like had happened. She was bad like the whole time she was admissions. She was like um, telling them the same thing she was telling me, and she was crying again, and she didn't want to be moved. Well, anyway, make that whole long thing short. That's long. What I, what I found out was uh, <clears throat> she wound up coming back after she had been on 6-4 for a couple nights. They had her on way too many medications. It was like she had went from like place to place and nobody had really like sat down and looked through all of her medicines to see everything that she was taking. So she was like on several different kind of psychotic medications. And they were all, like, conflicting with each other. Mm. Then we found out that she, um, the people at Missions found out that she had not slept in six days. Yeah, shit. Like that yeah, <laughs> of course. So, like, that's why she was freaking out. That's why she was hallucinating and seeing her ex-husband and all, you know, things like that. When she got back, she was great. She, you know, I thought, she, like, after a certain fun. point, though, like, you, your brain, like, what is it? It's called, like, micro-naps. Yeah, something. you'll, like, you'll like, sleep. She had, I think she had napped, but she hadn't had a full night's sleep in six days. Hmm. Something like that, you know. So, but, yeah, she was just very sleep-deprived on way too much medication. And they, they got her stabilized <laughs> on the other floor. And, you know, when they brought her back down, she was she was stable. Okay, um, this is the one that... There's two stories that my coworker shared that were pretty interesting. Try, I'm going to try not to get them mixed up in my head. <laughs> Okay, the first one. Okay, the first one that was pretty interesting was he had a um, a kid that had to be. Um, it's called one on one, like that means they have to be watched like the whole time. Like they cannot have be out of someone's uh line of sight. So mm-hmm. like the tech that comes on, somebody will be assigned to him, and they'll have to sit there. And watch whatever he does. Wherever wherever he goes, they go. And he can go in the bathroom, but he has to leave the door cracked. And the bathroom cannot be... The bathroom's in their patient rooms. You can't... You can shut them, but they won't close or lock. Like, they just kind of sit there. Like, you can't can't shut them. So, that's like, if they were hurting themselves in the bathroom, you, you, you can just push it open and get in there and help them. And everything. Um, so, basically, like, that you have to sit there and watch them sleep. So, he said, like, before he would go to sleep, he would, um, he would kneel in front of his bed, and he would be facing the tech and with his eyes open, and he would start, what they thought he was doing was praying in Spanish. Uh, I don't know if he was Hispanic or what, but they thought he was praying in Spanish. So, my coworker started looking up some of the words that he was saying, and he was like, uh, that's not Spanish, that's Latin. <laughs> and also, this patient would tell them that he could hear God and see the devil. When they asked him what the devil looked like, he basically described the devil like, you know, the old fictitious, like, uh, the goat man yeah. kind of thing. And 
yeah, so um, he was he was talking to Satan <laughs> with his eyes open, staring at the tech in Latin, and uh, <laughs> he said he wasn't violent, but that was extremely unnerving, yeah, and he he just had to sit there, you know. I mean, he couldn't let him out of his line of sight, so he couldn't even walk walk away from it. <laughs> I couldn't do something like that. I mean, I mean, you you've told me stuff like about the rehab. It's like I couldn't do it just because. Like I don't, like I don't have patience with people. One, but then like somebody's doing that, it's like, like I know you're sick, but get that voodoo shit away <laughs> get from that me. Shit <laughs> like, I don't, I, I could not. To me, like a part of it, I have been scared before. Like I was scared with that lady just because that was my first experience with something like that. But I'm also fascinated. Yeah. I, I love, like I'll they'll tell me they're seeing stuff, and I'm like, what are you seeing? Like, like what do you see? And I've had one girl tell me. Well, you're that, not supposed to like buy into well, their delusions. They tell you, so, are you. They tell you if you like if a, you're a therapist, and they tell you about their delusions, you need to make sure that they understand that they're not real. Mm-hmm. Um, however, if somebody's in a crisis, like that that woman, if she was telling me like he's there, like tell him to leave, and I was like, "There's nobody here. Like you're crazy. Like that well, is not well, what I mean, I'm supposed yeah, to." Do. I wasn't really talking. I mean, you're just supposed to like. I'm not saying, like, to say what you're talking about, you're crazy, but, like, yeah. try to... Like, Emphasize that well, it's not real. Well, not even that, just, like, not really... I kind of ignore it, but, like, try to get them help at the same time. Yeah. Well, the issue is, the, what they're seeing is not going to go away. Yeah. So you have to accept that reality. That's their reality at the moment. If they say, I see snakes coming out of the ceiling or something... Well, but I'm, what I'm saying, well, I mean... I'm I'm just arguing with you now, but like what I'm what I'm saying is like I thought like don't tell them like they're not seeing what they're seeing, yeah. but kind of just ignore the fact that they're saying that and try to get them where somewhere that they can be helped. Well, also a good thing to do is acknowledge it. Uh, like if they're saying snakes are hanging from the ceiling, it's like oh okay, are, are they bothering you? Is that scaring you that they're snakes? From the ceiling, if they say yes, you might say, well, you, you want to go in the next room, hmm. move away, you know, yeah. since that's bothering you that that's right there. Um, I had a guy pretty recently actually was telling me um, we had to move him too, but he was being very reasonable. He wasn't in crisis, I would say, but he was telling me, he come up to me, he was like, I'm freaking out. And I was like, what, what's going on? And he said a whole bunch of stuff, kind of just like jumbled up. But then he he was saying, um, "I'll see moles coming up on people's faces. I'll see their hair start patches of hair start missing." And he said, "I he's like I don't know if it's if it's happening. He's like I can't tell what's real, what's not real, and you know, and it's freaking me out." Mm-hmm. So I was like, "Oh, I was just like really listening, like oh, that's what you're seeing, you know, like I was acknowledging, like you are seeing that, like, and you know, I just was trying to help him out. He needed to get." On some different medications too. Yeah. So okay. So the kid was like laying there, like asking Satan to kill them or whatever. No, he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> At least they don't think that's what's I mean, going on. I, I, but he was, again, he was talking I'm, to Satan. Again, like I, said, I don't I'm know if making... he thought that they were Satan because he was looking. He said he would be looking at the tech, like he'd be looking at him. Yeah. So I don't know if he was seeing them as Satan. But he, mm-hmm. but they know that he was praying to Satan with like when he was looking up like the words that he was saying in Latin. I mean, I'm not trying to like make fun of it. Oh but, yeah, like, yeah. No, that would be scary said, as fuck. I, like I said, I couldn't take some. I don't care if they're calling me the like most precious thing in the world in Latin. If somebody's talking <laughs> Latin to me, I'm like, give the fuck out. <laughs> okay. Um. So the other story was about this. He said this kid was like. I think he said he was over 300 pounds, tall, like a linebacker-sized yeah. kid. Like, but he was, what's the proper way to put that? Um, He was very, not mentally challenged, but not very smart. Hmm. Very so, I mean, he wasn't... mild mental retardation, maybe even. Hmm. Um, so he, if he got mad, he got really mad. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was sweet. They said he was sweet as he could be, but if he got mad, he was enraged, you know. Mm. So, uh, <laughs> I, d- I don't remember exactly what he said ha- had got him so mad or if he even remembered what had gotten him so upset. But somehow or other, he f- 
found a screwdriver somewhere. I don't know how he oh. had access to a screwdriver. But um, basically he had it and he was just kind of like running around with it. Mm-hmm. And they're not supposed to like, you can't get too close to him because yeah. he had a weapon. So they, they weren't chasing him. Also, also, you're not supposed to chase because when you chase, they run. Yeah. So you have to just kind of walk slowly behind them and keep them in your line of sight or whatever. So this kid got all the way out to the middle of the highway. Oh, crap. Because <laughs> they couldn't stop him from going out the door. Like I said, they couldn't grab him with a weapon in his hand. And yeah, he's just is... like sitting in the middle of the highway. And he's like, when cars are coming by, he's like trying to like hit at the cars. <laughs> it's not mm-hmm. funny, but... It, I mean, it's like... <laughs> not, but like that is... It's crazy. Yeah. Um. So he's like doing that, and it becomes like a whole thing. Like several members of the hospital are like trying to figure out like what the heck are we gonna do with this kid that's got this freaking screwdriver. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and <coughs> it got to a point that uh, they said a nurse was trying to talk to him. A nurse was trying to calm him down and get you know him to give her the screwdriver, but uh, he was just kind of ignoring her. I mean, like to the- him it was kind of a game at that point. He was getting a lot of attention. The police, like, weren't called or anything like that? I can't that? remember if he said the police came. He, they I mean, might like, have. if he was in the middle of the highway, yeah, but think he, he said it became a huge ordeal. Like, mm-hmm. there were several people out there trying to, like, get him out of the freaking highway. Um, But he said what finally happened was one of their... It wasn't the CEO. It was, like, somebody up there, though. Like, one of the board members mm-hmm. or something like that of the hospital. Came out there... And offered to buy him McDonald's if he would go and if he would give him the screwdriver and go back inside. So he bought he he gave him the screwdriver and he went back inside and he bought the kid McDonald's. Some yeah. of them were upset about that because they were like, "Okay, you just rewarded him." Well, I mean, for, you gotta defuse it any way you can. I mean, but. yeah, I mean, his he was like, "I just need to get this kid out of the highway and get the screwdriver away from him." I mean, at that point, you're you're like a hostage, and it goes. Yeah, I know, know like, and like he, I'm, I'm sure that the the higher up dude was like, "This is about to be on the news if I don't get him back inside." <laughs> so, like, that's all Especially, this hospital needs like, is like a story like that. Well, I mean, like the, where that's at, it's not a big town, but it's uh-huh. not. It's the biggest, like, around in this area. Right. So, like, I'm surprised it wasn't even. Yeah. So that that was his story. I thought that was pretty interesting. Both of those. Um, I don't know if I could have worked. Really, honestly, I don't think in the, the adolescent boys unit. I don't even know if they let females work. I think don't. it's all guys. That would make sense. Because I mean, like I said, ninety percent of what they do is like holding the patient down. See, like, that would be like that. scarier to me than like because, like I said, teenage boys like that time you're just. I mean, for the most part, I know I was. But, like, you're just, you're pissed off pretty much all the time. You don't know what's, you know, why and mm-hmm. got all, all that other teenage bullshit to deal with. So, it's like. <laughs> and then these people are coming from, like, extremely bad home environments. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And then, again, being a teenage boy, you have all these people, like, telling you what you can and can't uh-huh. do. Which, you know, that's it's a whole other thing. So. Yeah, my coworker said he would rather work with an addict any day than go back and work I mean, on an adolescent yeah, boys unit. I probably would too. <laughs> I mean, addicts can act like teenagers, but they still have. Most of the people that I work with well, are reasonable. Well, like I said, with teenagers, yeah. you have all the hormones and shit, mm-hmm. like, and a lot of power struggle. Yeah, exactly. So it would they be, don't like being told I, what to do. Yeah. Yeah. So we got the creepy. Okay. I gotta pull it back up. This is from Ranker again. Um, shout out to this website because I love reading these stories. They'll pop up on my Facebook page a lot of times, and yeah. um, when I'm bored, like I'll read through. I, I feel like a lot of our shit either are gonna come from Ranker or Craigslist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, okay. So these are, I, I'm not sure if these are all from like a specific type of psych ward, but I think they kind of say at the beginning. So I'm just going to start. Stupid oh, ad has popped up. Now I can't scroll down. <laughs> Shoot a monkey. 
Okay. Don't shoot a monkey. That's mean. Monkeys are probably endangered in some places. <laughs> anyway, this is called patient gouges out their own eyes. That's not funny. That's but not oh my funny, god. But... I don't work in situations that intense. Thank yeah, God. See. <laughs> My mom told me this story from her time at a neuropsychiatric ward while she was in grad school. She was making her routine room checks and happened upon the most terrific scene I've ever heard. This was during the night shift and generally all the patients' bedroom doors should be closed. So my mom turned a corner and noticed an open door. She saw a staff member's legs on the floor halfway out the doorway. Oh, oh shit. When she looked into the room, she saw the patient, a woman with severe postpartum psychiatric disorder, who had just gouged out both of her own eyes with her bare hands. She was sitting cross-legged on the floor, holding her eyes in her hands. The first staff member who witnessed the scene, who was now lying face down on the floor, had a heart attack when she first witnessed the woman while making his while making while he was making his rounds. My mom screamed for help and frantically tried to perform CPR on the staff member. All the while, the woman just sat rather calmly, holding her own eyes. I mean, shit, like, so you—that's like fucking double, cause like that woman like gouged her eyes out and we're holding them, and then that dude like, I mean, I would have a heart attack if I saw yeah. that shit too. So. And I probably also would be more worried about like my coworker like I getting mean, there. I mean, I mean, they're having a heart attack. They could die. I mean, she could probably die from having her eyes gouged you know, out. But I don't know. Like I said, that's like a like super high like pressure. I mean, I I had an anxiety attack over iTunes. Like I, I know, right? Imagine yourself that in, that, shit, in that situation. Man, you would, I think. I don't know. I've found myself. I have anxiety too, but I found when I've been in a really intense situation well i'm sure there's something that would click in your brain that would yeah keep do the you first thing first just freaking the fuck out yeah it's like it is like i can be like i can walk into a extremely anxiety provoking situation and still come into this like very calmness like okay this is what we need to do now yeah so i'm sure that's probably how that took place with that person too this is called jane may be possessed we had a young lady in our custody with quite a few issues. We call her, we'll call her Jane. On Jane's first night at our facility, staff performing a bed check found Jane in a puddle of blood. Turns out Jane had been slicing the skin around her shin with her fingernails and was pulling her skin up her leg, essentially degloving her calf. <laughs> Jane also had a ritual she performed every night before bed. While in her room, she would walk to every wall and touch them in a crucifix pattern. After doing this for a few hours, she would sit on her bed and go to sleep. One night, Jane's pace was frantic. Our night staff observed the entire interaction and reported Jane screaming late into the night. When one staff member went to check on Jane, she reported Jane standing in the doorway smiling. The staff asked what was wrong, and Jane replied, What makes you think you're speaking to Jane? Yeah, yeah, I can. This makes me glad that I don't work in like a severe psychiatric unit. I mean, like we're again, we're kind of laughing, but it's more just like out of like like trying to relate to like me being in that situation. Yeah, like like, how would I feel? And like when I'm laughing, it's more like (laughs) I'd be scared as fuck. Yeah. I would probably just look at her and be like, good day, whoever you are. Yes, <laughs> you have yes, a good yes. night. <laughs> Sleep well. It's like, <laughs> I guess I'm not. Cool. I, you go on about your business. <laughs> I mean, where I am, I can really kind of joke with them, like, and they'll get it. You know, like, it's not, it's just definitely not this intense. Yeah. Do you want to read some of them? I think I actually have read this one before. I think this was my, might have been the one I read. Because so, I kind of vaguely remember some of that. Patient is too hot for a teacher. Okay. I was a pharmacy technician at a hospital with a psych ward for some time. We would have to... Be quiet! We would have to go around with a cart and dispense... Dispense the... <laughs> I said something I just wanted more. Um... Dispense the patient's medications and being a 5'2 girl, a security guard, a male nurse would accompany me 
just as a precaution. I never had any real issues other than the occasional death grip onto my arm or manic outbursts, but there was one boy who was entirely different. His shards said he was not and had pale skin, dark hair, and bright green, huge bright green eyes. He always greeted me in the most polite way, asked how I was doing, and always found something different to compliment me on every time. He was extremely well-spoken and mature for his age, so I began looking forward to seeing him. As normal small talk is definitely cherished in that setting. If he saw me outside of his room in the halls, he made sure to say hello and always called me Miss Jones or ma'am. One day, a couple of our female nurses saw me pause to chat with him in the hallway and waved me over to ask if I was out of my mind. Apparently, when he was in kindergarten, he grew an intense attachment to his young female teacher. This escalated to the point of him calling her mom and leaving notes for her about how he wished he were her son. He had a normal home life with both parents, and the teacher tried to explain to him that she couldn't be his mom because that would hurt his real mother's feelings and that she already had that job covered. So he went home and killed his own mother in her sleep by cutting her throat so his teacher could be his mom. The female staff had a general rule of not interacting with him excessively to prevent any kind of attachment from forming. So don't judge a book by its cover, I guess. Heck yeah. It's important to know the history of a patient that you're interacting with. I mean, yeah, you have to know. I mean, it is like, very, very important. Like, even, like, she said she's a pharmacy tech, so they might not have generally, like, updated her on the Well, patients, she was just but, giving medicine and right, stuff at the same way. That's why you need to know. Cause I mean, you can say something that was like trigger them or something like that. Yeah, so. or yeah, like I mean, even that, even the flip side, like you could say something to offend them if you don't know their history. Yeah. A lot. Of, they always emphasize, um, you know, with the the teenage girls, it yeah, if possible, they want to have, um, you know, at least a female present if they have to put her in a hold because. You never know, she might have been held down and raped before. Yeah. So, I mean, like, a, a male, you know, staff member trying to hold her down, like, could completely trigger her and put her right back to where she was, you know, mentally when that was going on. <laughs> you never want anything like that to occur. Yeah. This one's called Patient Issues. Disturbing Warning About Abduction. Mm-hmm. I was working an overnight shift on an Alzheimer's ward at a nursing home. It was about 2 a.m. and I was making my rounds, peeking in the rooms to make sure the patients were where they should be. I went into one room and this 83-year-old woman was sitting straight up in her bed, staring at the wall. I slowly walked into the room and calmly asked if she wanted to lie back down. She turned her head slowly looking me right in the eye and said, they're coming for you, dear. Then she started laughing. I'm talking fully, full on hysterical, insane cackling. I almost pissed myself right there. <laughs> yeah. She finally calmed down, and I got her to lay back down. When she was about to go back to sleep, she looked at me again and said, I'm going to miss you when they take you. And went right back to sleep. I was terrified the rest of the night. Ooh. Yeah, that shit, I couldn't do it. I did have one woman one time, like, I, I laughed at something she did. Um. And she looked up and she saw that I was, like, giggling about it. I think she, like, dropped medicine or something. And whenever she looked up and saw that I was laughing, she laughed, like, in the most yeah, creepiest said. way. She was just like, ha <laughs> And I was like, mm. <laughs> that scared me. <laughs> yeah. I remember one patient saying one time that she, what was it, she like forgot about Christmas? The way she was saying it, she was like, when she got through with her binge, like she had like missed Christmas. Like that's how much like her mind was like mm. off from like using and everything. Yeah. And like when she kind of snapped out of it, she was just so upset that like she missed even spending time with her family like over Christmas. She didn't even know what was Christmas. 
old lady speaks in tongues. I don't know. Do you think people can speak in tongues? I don't know. I know that boy was speaking Latin. Well, that's not <laughs> in tongues, though, is it? No, like I guess in, not. Like, tongues is like you're speaking a bunch different. Well, I don't I even thought, know what that means. What is... I thought that when... Okay. We're getting into, like, the religious, like, aspect. But I thought that in the religious setting, different religions that believe in speaking in tongues, such as, like, Pentecostal, Church of God, whatever. Um... My understanding was that when you're speaking in tongues, you're just speaking an un a, a tongue that is unknown to you. It can be whatever, but as long as it's something that you have not previously learned and you're speaking it, that's what they call speaking in tongues. Hmm. I heard I, I'm I take this with a little bit of skepticism. Um, but my grandfather was a traveling preacher, and he they say that he um he was down in Mexico. And he had a translator with him, you know, while he was giving his sermon and everything. But he started really praying hard and everything. And then he said, they said he started speaking in tongues. And he noticed that the translator um, had kind of backed off or whatever. He talked to him about it later. And the translator said, well, you, were, you were speaking you were speaking in Mexican. You, were, I mean Mexican. You were spe Spanish. <laughs> you were speaking in Spanish. And I don't know. I mean, I believe my grandfather because, you know, he's, he's an honest man. But it's just kind of like, could that really happen? I don't know. And why well, and mean, how? I guess weirder shit has happened, so. Right, true. But, but anyway. uh, yeah, I'm not going to say I'm just like, you can't speak in tongues, but I don't know. Like I said, I, I never, I, I've never really understood what that meant. Have you ever been around somebody speaking in tongues? I don't think so, no. I, def I have several times. But anyway. Uh, when I first started working in the hospital, I was sitting with this sweet little old woman. <laughs> sweet little old woman. Let's see how this goes. I had sat with her talking about her family and such for six hours. Towards the end of my shift, 9 p.m., they decided she didn't need to have a heart monitor, so they transferred her to a different unit. Once we got to the new room, she started acting differently, just generally angry, I would say. Then all of a sudden, she tried to jump out of the bed. A big no-no at hospitals. So I immediately got up to stop her. She started screaming bloody murder about how her house was on fire. And her family was inside and she needed to get them out. I tried to calm her down but to no avail. She started yelling me about how I'm going to rot in the flames of hell because God told her so. And how I was responsible for her family's death. Oh, get the fuck out. Bye. Like, no, get away from her. <laughs> Started yeah, I would be. Deep, staring deep into my eyes, she told me all about how I will burn in eternal flames and that I'm filled with evil. I thought, okay, at least she isn't worried about her family or trying to get... But she worried about you now. <laughs> yeah, uh, but then she started screaming at the top of her lungs in what I can only describe as Latin or maybe even gibberish. She then ripped out her dentures, threw them at me, pulled off all the skin off of pulled all the skin on her face back into this long, stretched-out, creeping smile. She let out a blood-curling scream while her eyes rolled back in her head like some sort of possession scene in a movie. Just as she let up, my relief came into the room, and I wished her luck and, <laughs> <laughs> and let me be. out of there. <laughs> I am gone. The second I got off the unit, I called my mom and I cried for a good 15 minutes. And I, I mean, still think of her stretched out face sometimes. I mean, yeah, that would. I mean, it sounds like she like had P, P, yeah, PTSD or something and was having like a flashback. And then he tried, he did what you're not supposed to do and tried to like directly like be like, no, stop. Well, he said he was. she was also like trying to. Like, hurt herself, so he was trying to solve mm -hmm. that, but... Like, when you become the target, yeah, you need to get the fuck out. Like, if, just say you're trying to hold somebody down, and they just, they lock eyes with you, and they start saying, you did something, or whatever. You need to move. Because, like, you have, you've been designated as the target. Yeah. And you're the one that's about to get hurt if you don't get the fuck out. I mean, it's like... At least, it's kind of similar, but like... Trying to like wake up somebody that's like sleepwalking. Yeah, I mean, yeah, or basically. something like <laughs> they don't they don't have the capacity to understand. Like if they think something's hurting them, gonna or gonna hurt them, and then you touch them or whatever, you're immediately mm -hmm. the thing that's trying to hurt them. Exactly. Exactly. Like, 
That's so but yeah, I mean, like, I would, like, when she started, like, telling me, like, all that about burning in hell and stuff, like, mm. I would, like, help, somebody help. Help me. But, uh. But I, I'm, I, it makes me sad that she cried because. I mean, yeah, I mean, that would be extremely upsetting. Right. Even. But you have to understand that it was absolutely nothing to do with you. Yeah. Like, that, it did not have a thing in the world to do with her as a person or, or anything. She wasn't looking into her soul or anything. I mean, it was I just mean, her reaction she was well, having. Well, it was, uh, she did that because, like I said, it seemed like she was having, like, a flashback or something. And then, like. Right. So like if so, it's it's, it's if it was like she was experiencing it like something like it was really happening, right? So it's like if you were, if that was really happening, then somebody tried to stop you from saving your family from a burning building, like you would be super pissed and exactly, yeah, exactly. You have to look at it from like their perspective as much as you can, and that's gonna be the way that you would be able to help them because then you'd be like, okay, what would how would I feel? But like you said, like if you're being like the one that they're angry at, you need to get somebody else to help yeah, you. Yeah, you do. Because you're not going to help them right. at that point. Exactly. You've been designated as the target. Yeah. You need to remove yourself. Might do one more. I don't want to make this like just super long. Yeah, okay, one more. Young girl displays truly disturbing behavior. This story is sad, so brace yourself. I don't know. Do we want to read this or not? Ah, shit, I don't know. I don't it's know not if that I long. Will. Yeah, we'll just, we'll have to, I don't know, yeah. Oh, okay, my God, that, I, I don't like that. I've read that before, I actually, I remember well, I mean, that. the ending, it said it did have a happy ending. Okay, yeah, I mean, I'll read it, I'll read it. Trigger warning, though, for Trig- real. Trigger warning. <laughs> like, seriously. Uh, Anybody that's ever been um, listed as a child or anything like that. Um... I was working as a me- in a mental health ward around Christmas time a year ago. Long story short, I w- it was shower time for one of the patients. She was a young girl, maybe 13 or 14 years old, with a really intense history of physical abuse. My co-workers got her to the shower and they undressed her. She coughed up a great deal of saliva and spat on the ground really, really slowly. Before we could do or say anything, she knelt on all fours, licked it all up, laughed, and said, I'm ready, Daddy. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was shaken up for weeks after, and I still try not to think about it. There is a happy ending to this story. Her scum father is in jail now, and the girl has been adopted. I see, I kind of, like, wanted to do that, because, like, again, like, mental health, but, like, like that sexual abuse, which is kind of relevant Mm -hmm. in, like, the news and stuff, like, I figured that, I don't know, like I said, trigger warning for sure, but... It, it's it's not just one thing that causes mental health. Right. A lot of it stems from trauma. Childhood trauma is the major, major thing. Um, not even childhood trauma. Any kind of trauma. It could happen when you're an adult. You could live your life perfectly, uh, you know, mentally sound, and go through a really traumatic experience, and you most likely won't be the same in some way afterwards. Yeah. So, um... Alright, so yeah, since we ended on that depressing note, <laughs> um, I don't know, I feel like we've had, like, you know, dick and butt and all jokes and stuff. I we feel need like to, this was we like We need a, to kind of have a, like a... A balance. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I mean, as much as we do make fun of, like, Craigslist and shit like that, like, yeah. we gotta have some serious shit in here. I, get, I, I, need, I feel I like you all just went to school, so... <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, again, we are on Twitter, uh, DNT Podcast. <laughs> it still makes me laugh. I, like, you I fucked like it up and then I made it. I, did, I, need to, I need to either see if I can get it done or have somebody like do, do the. I could probably draw a cat head. Yeah, we'll, we'll, fi- we'll figure something out. I, I, might have, I might make another logo. But. Uh, <laughs> Uh, on Facebook, we are DNT Projects. We got we're on iTunes now, uh, Castbox, Podbean, Podomatic, anything that has Pod in it. 
and uh, it, hopefully you guys, well, like again, it, we ended it on kind of a down note, but uh, ho hopefully you guys enjoyed it and, you know, will not hate us for talking about it. And uh, we will see you in the next episode. Bye. Can anybody hear me? Tell me, am I on the right track? Cause the dark has parted and now that we started there ain't no turning back Is this how I'm supposed to feel? Spinning out my thread And my ears are ringing and my friends are singing The song that I hear